talking about something serious, okay? I want to talk to you about Job. Uh -oh. We've got three quarters of a book written on the book of Job, myself and Maureen Rafus. We just never, ever finished it. Um, I'm not saying we lost interest in it, but COVID hit. And when COVID hit, things changed in the world. One of the biggest things that changed in the world was um, suicides among people between 17 and 24 years old has always been the number two killer in North America. But now since, and the reason why it was like that before COVID was because they, and one of the reasons they stayed is because of social media, there's no verbal communication anymore. So you're just texting back and forth to one another because it's easier than talking. But you get to realize it's the trick of the devil because he gave you words to speak, not to text. He said he gave you words to speak, not to text. But I know it only takes a second to send somebody off a text. And what if they want to talk? What if you ask them how they're doing and they actually tell you? But it's the communication that the devil's after. It's, and again, anytime you look at a war strategy, break the communication and win the war. Stop the flow of information, break the chain, and, and, and it happens. So anyway, but then after COVID, after COVID, it, shot, it peaked way up to the point where the McKay Bridge is now looking at a way to stop people from driving up and jumping off. Now, they won't give you the statistics but the fact that they, you know, the, the, the McDonald Bridge, they built that big thing underneath just, just because of suicide. But now people are driving up on a McKay Bridge, stop the car and bail out. And what they don't realize is they just begin the fall there. You know, death is just a door and you keep falling right into hell. And so the fall never stops. So I want to talk to you about that today because I want to, I look at the life of Job when I was looking at his life and I realized outwardly he had it all together. I mean, he looked successful. He had the biggest firm in, in all of the Middle East. He had lots of employees and lots of, well, just read it in, Genesis, in Job chapter 1 and see what the guy possessed. You'd have thought, you'd have thought that he should have been happy. Like I remember one time out in Waverly, there was this guy who had a beautiful home out there in-ground pool in the front yard, and you couldn't see any of it from the road. I mean, you can now, but because the, the lots got sold off. But it was such a beautiful place. And I remember, I remember being shocked when I found out that the guy drove up on the bridge, this was years ago, and bailed off. I'm thinking, be, because you think that when you have things, you think that if you could just accumulate enough stuff so that you can have a, storage unit and a basement and all this kind of stuff full. The reason why there's so many storage units, there's so many storage units in Metro right now, and they're all full. You cannot find one empty. If you wanted to rent one, you'd be hard-pressed to find one because people got their stuff in there. The stuff that they bought that they thought was going to make them happy that failed miserably. And so here's Job. He's got all this stuff. And then... Be because he had a, a stronghold in his mind, because he had a place in his mind where the good word of God had not penetrated. 
Just like in thermodynamics, they talk about a black hole out in the universe there that absorbs all light. It doesn't reflect anything. All light just gets absorbed into it and disappears. And so lots of times people have that, that dark hole in their lives and don't realize it. But the entrance of his word brings light, and if you have a dark hole, the light can't penetrate it, and that's what we would call a stronghold. Something that has a strong hold on you, something that blocks the word of God from ever getting into your life. And that's what, it, that's what it's there for. A stronghold is built by the devil, and really a stronghold is just a series of thoughts. Or I like to look at it like this. I was talking to James about it yesterday. I said, you know, our life is a two-hour movie, Hebrews 11. There's all kinds of outtakes and uh, things that get cut out on the, on the floor. The Lord shows us, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob shows us their past, not, not so that, not because he remembers it, but so that you can learn from it and realize that your goal is to get into Hebrews chapter 11. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Four times he said it, the just shall live by faith. So he wants us to live by faith because you're either going to have faith and love or doubt and fear. And, and you can't have both. It's like peace. You, you know, he, you know, know him and know peace. If you don't know him, you don't know peace. It's the way it works, right? But anyway, let's open our Bible somewhere. Isaiah 61. And again, he's, he quotes this in Luke 4.18. You know, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. Preach what? The good news to the poor. What's good news to a poor person? You don't have to be. <laughs> to heal the brokenhearted. But you have to open up your heart to him. To bring or preach deliverance to the captives. And again, you can... You can um, you can be delivered and not set free. Apartheid in South Africa proved that perfectly. Nelson Mandela laid down his life to do away with apartheid, but people never embraced. The, they embraced. They, you can't embrace the freedom until you stop being a victim. As long as you're going to blame somebody for your problems, you can never get free. I'm not saying there weren't never your problem, but I have found this, and I'm sure that you have too. The only problem I have ever have is me. Satan's been defeated. This where do I have to defeat him? In my mind, my will, and my emotions. Amen. So anyway, Isaiah 61, he said, to heal a brokenhearted, to bring deliverance to the captives, recovering a sight to the blind. And then I love that part where he said, the acceptable year of the Lord. It means I'm accepted by him today. Turn to somebody and say, you're accepted by the Lord. You're not rejected. You're accepted. Yeah. So he says, but then he says, to appoint unto those that mourn on Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Isaiah 12, 3 says, drink with with." With joy, drink water from the wells of salvation. So joy is a bucket. Joy is, a, joy is something that you use 
Joyce, it's come on, come on. Aston would say, come on, come on up here. Well, I'm just, I'm conservative. Well, do you want God to move in your life? He doesn't ask you to, to be clamorously foolish for his benefit. He doesn't just want to make you look stupid in front of other people. He's wanting you to be free. And the only way that you can get free is if that you, you can come up to the front and not care what I'm going to think about when I'm, I'm thinking about you when I'm sitting over there. i got to completely forget about me. And that's why he said, rejoice. In the Lord always, rejoice. You know, and again, if your joy doesn't move you, how is it ever going to move God? Well, I'm just, and again, stop using that conservative approach and say, the fact is, you're full of pride. No, because only by pride comes contention. You're either proud or you're humble. The prodigal son, what finally brought him home was he got hungry. And his hunger created an appetite for something better. He was hungry. And so he said, I'm going to go back to my father's house. He recognized that he had a father that would take care of him. Hmm. He wasn't self-reliant anymore. That was the older brother that was self-reliant. And when you're self-reliant, you're just self-righteous. That's, that's, that's it. There's no way to make it sound any nicer. It's, so that's why the Lord said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he said, take my yoke upon you. In other words, walk with me. You'll find rest for your souls. And then he said, I'm humble. And in Peter 5, 5, he said that he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And the best way that you can ever humble yourself, again, you, you have to be exposed. David danced with all of his might, and his wife said, you made a fool out of yourself today. He said, I'm going to be more vile than this tomorrow. In other words, you're not going to stop me from praising God. I, I, I'm dancing because of what he did for me, not, not so that you can watch me dance. I'm running around the church because of what he did for me. If I, no, no, you, it's amazing to me. I was thinking about when we were out in Seattle watching football games and, and how when we, when we saw that the team was on the 10-yard line and ready to score, we were on our feet. We were expecting something. <laughs> so maybe my praise and worship re re reflects the level of my expectation. Maybe if I'm really not expecting, like, do you come to church on a Sunday and say, well, you know, hope he doesn't preach long because it's sunny outside. No. <laughs> no, but again, it's, it's like, where my priorities lie. I love Psalm 27. For David said this one thing. He said, I you might have a bunch of things, but he said, I only got one thing, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think it's in Psalm 84. He said, I'll tell you what, I might be the king and I might be the big shot around here, but I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. See, Job didn't know that. Job was had all this outward perfection and he was leaning on it and, and fearful that it would go away. How do you know that? Well, let's read, let's read some Bible. Job 3 and verse 25. I'm going to read it from my, my Gary Hooper translation. 
and this is uh, this is Hebrew study. I didn't make these words up. I found them in there and wrote it out the way that it made sense to me. Verse uh, twenty-five. He said, "Because I feared, because I feared, dread has overtaken me. All that I have feared happened to me. Why? Because we attract those things to us. Your belief system will attract the good or the bad. And so he said, he said." Um, all that I feared has happened. I was verse twenty six. I was not secure or quiet. I had no rest, and as a result, the tormentor has come. And again, you can have doubt and fear, or faith and love. And because he, because he had this, you know, you analyze his life because he had this dark place that the word had never penetrated. Matter of fact, when you read about his sons and daughters, it says that he offered sacrifices for them every day. Like when you pray over your kids, pray and believe. Don't pray the same prayer every day. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. That's what he was doing. Oh, God, oh, God. They might have sinned. Oh, God, oh, God. Well, they were making moonshine at the time. If you read it in the Hebrew, they probably did sin. <laughs> moonshine, that reminds me of another Paul Wilson story. <laughs> No, you know him now. He was always colorful character, but but back in the day, back in the day, he used to spend three days injecting a watermelon with vodka. Roll it, inject it, roll it, inject it until he got the whole cord in there, and then he would take it to a party that night. So when the party started winding down, Paul pull out the watermelon. And so I thought, wow, he's still like that. He still pulls out the watermelon, but it's not vodka anymore. It's the Spirit of God. Amen. So this, this thing had gripped his life, this, this, oh, God, please save my children. Please save my children. Please save my children. Oh, God, please save every single day. Please save my children. And this was the guy that was outward, outwardly perfected. You read about his life, and he was highly esteemed guy, and yet all of this was going on in the inside of him. And so what you need to ask yourself is, what's going on inside of you? Um, let's go to, where can we go here? Um, let's go to, this is not going to flow the way I wanted it to, but it's going to flow the way he wanted it to. Let's go to um, Job chapter 19. Now Job blame God for all of his troubles. But we just found out that it wasn't God. He said, what I always feared has finally come upon me. Matter of fact, when you read the Bible, the Bible says that God had a hedge around about Job. But then in Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 8, it says, cursed is the man that breaks a hedge, a serpent will bite him. He broke his own hedge. If God had broken it, he'd have violated his word. It's kind of like when you read about the apostle Paul, and it says that he, you know, that he was afflicted and all that, and he was, but it says that he had a thorn in the flesh. But read the rest of the verse. It was a messenger of Satan sent above him. God wasn't doing it. God's will for your life is Psalm 102 and verse 13, to feature you, to favor you, to raise you up so that the world can see what he's done in your life. Now, did Job use it? Yeah, God said, hey, Job, my grace is sufficient for you. Use my grace against these things. 
because my strength is made perfect in weakness. And when he finally, if you read through the book of Acts, you, you see where he finally started using that grace and read the rest of his story. He won. <laughs> you know, so. so anyway, Job here in chapter 19 is really blaming God. He says in verse 6, he said, know, know now that God has overthrown me and encompassed me about in the net. He said, I feel like, maybe you feel like this sometimes, I feel like a trapped animal. But again, who set the net? He did, and now, but he's accusing. You don't need to accuse God. You need to call out, cry, cry out to him, and he'll bail you out. He said, Lord, I'm in this dark hole. Verse 7, behold, I cry out. I cry out a wrong, but I'm not heard. I cry loud and there is no judgment. God, you're not fair. You don't even hear me. <laughs> Verse 8, he has fenced up my way that I cannot pass. He has set darkness in front of my path. In other words, I'm not making any progress now because of God. God's holding me back. Yeah. Well, again, none of this is true. But it's what Job's perspective was. Verse 9, he stripped me of my glory. Well, we know this. And again, in the early church that I went to, they taught us Romans 3.23 all the time. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. One day I read the next verse by myself. Read the next verse and get excited. Being justified freely by his blood. Whew. Hallelujah. By, not by my good works or my good looks, but by his blood. Amen. So again, it's, if you just remember this all of your life, it's the cross plus or minus nothing. You're going to bear fruit. You're not going to produce fruit. Fruit doesn't come because you struggle or work at it. Fruit comes when you just abide in him and his word abides in you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will and it'll be done unto you. Well, the cool thing about it is when you abide in him and he abides in you, you'll ask according to his will anyhow. Because you know what he's thinking. He wants you to know what he's thinking. Yeah, amen. Don't get excited about it, but enjoy it. Well, it kind of reminds me, I used to watch Winnie the Pooh with, with my daughter, Carolyn, and she knew all the words to every one. And I got to know them all, too. <laughs> but one of the things he said was so rich, he said, uh, if I just do nothing, something will happen. <laughs> He said, Piglet, you don't spell love, you feel it. <laughs> okay, Winnie the Pooh, where are we going today? I have no idea. <laughs> no, but I mean, you need to believe that something good will happen to you. You have to believe what he said in Proverbs 3, 18 and 19. He said, this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Make a decision today. This is your acceptable year of the Lord. Make this decision. I'm accepted by the Lord today. 
Tell somebody next to you, I'm accepted by the Lord. And and so um, something else that I learned, and again, you learn a lot from watching um, Christian television. Most of it's no good, but oh, some of it's so awful. <laughs> Somebody was teaching the other day, a, a renowned person, talking about how you have to go to the outer court and you can't go into the Holy of Holies until you purify yourself. I'm thinking, my Bible says that he went within the veil and that he was my forerunner, that I just follow him in. And then my Bible tells me in Hebrews 4, 16, to come boldly onto the throne room of grace to obtain mercy, to find grace and to help in the time of need. But all of these things, they appeal to people because it, it makes you work. And you're thinking, if I can just improve myself, get over it. You can't improve yourself. You can yield yourself to the Holy Ghost. It's like there used to be a book. I remember when it came out, it was called The Purpose Driven Life. And man, Bible studies sprang up all over the city. Here, People that used to go to our church, they started meeting once a week for lunch and discussing this book. And I, I just say, hey, you know what? You're not purpose driven, you're spirit led. Well, I don't know if I agree with that, Pastor. Well, you don't agree with that, but you need to agree with the Word of God. Right. Trying to change, I'm so busy trying to change myself that I don't have time to enjoy my life. I'm so busy trying to change myself that I don't have time to share anything good about Jesus with you because I'm home busy, busy, busy. Change my life. Seven steps to this and ten steps to that. The cross plus the cross minus nothing. Matter of fact, when you read Philippians 412, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When you, read it, you need to read that and find out what fear and trembling really means. But then in verse 13, he says, because it is both God that both works in you and through you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He does the work you do to believe in. You believe. The struggle is over. What am I supposed to do? Like Abraham did. He became fully persuaded that what God had promised, he, he got a hold of the promise, considered not his own body, now dead, Sarah's womb stricken with age. I mean, he had some things that he had to deal with over 30 years. But he said, I became fully persuaded. That's what faith is, being fully persuaded that what God has promised, he's powerful, able to perform. He, I believe it, and he, he performs it. I'm the believer. He's the performer. I said, you're the believer. He's the performer. So, so take the day off. Take the rest of your life off. What am I supposed to do? Well, you know, it, he said in Romans 12, 1, he says that you're a living sacrifice. Well, I read in Corinthians chapter 11 that he was a dead sacrifice, and now I'm a living sacrifice. But how am I a living sacrifice? He tells you in the next verse, verse 2, not to be conformed to this world, not to be thinking the way this world thinks, not to be influenced by social media, but to be transformed, metamorphosis, transformed by the Word of God. So my only job is 
And again, it's in Hebrews 4.11, to labor to enter into his rest. In verse 12, he tells you how. For the word of God is alive. The word of God is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. So the more word I get in me, again, that's why they didn't get free in South Africa. It's the truth that makes you free. Deliverance doesn't make you free. They were delivered out of Egypt, but they didn't get free until the, the life of Joshua. Forty years going in the wrong direction. I, I wonder how many years some of us have spent. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but... Yeah. But see, the only way that you can get pure oil out of an olive berry... No, but that's what I noticed in, in Capernaum when we were there. There was olive presses all over the place. And it, it takes four squeezings to get the... To get. <laughs> and so you may be under pressure right now. You feel squeezed. Anytime you feel squeezed, know that God's working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Satan is not your enemy and God's not your enemy. He's teaching you and growing you, and circumstances do come. Negative things happen to everybody. It rains on the just and on the unjust. I mean, it rained so hard when we left here Thursday night, I felt like I was on the, the one time I was coming home from the PEI on the Confederation Bridge, and it rained just like that. Nancy was behind me in the Jeep praying in tongues, and I was there, and the rain was coming sideways, and I couldn't see, and after a while, I didn't even care. Whatever happens, happens. It's just like, give it up, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but trials have a royal purpose. Um, and again, I'm not saying that he brings them. I'm saying that the trials come, and lots of times the trials come because of, like Job, we have a dark hole in our lives that he wants to put a light on. And he can't get it in. Like some people are afraid to give tithes and offerings, right? I mean, and, and it's real. It's fear. But what that is is a stronghold, a house of words that are built against God's faithfulness. So Satan controls them through that negative house of words so that they can never enter into whatever God has planned for them. Because whenever it happens, they refer back to that. Oh, I don't know if I can trust them. Gasoline is how much now? Hallelujah. You better learn how to live on the other side. Yeah. By the way, how do you find out the day before that gas is going up? Can I ask somebody? Do they put it in the paper or something? Hmm? Oh, is it? yeah, I know Rob knew on Thursday night that we were going up all that amount on Friday, and I'm thinking, how do you do that? This is a spiritual dude. I never thought about it until just now. Where is he? I see you, Rob. How do you know that? All right. Now I know. I won't be caught again. But, but like, but like he said on Thursday night, you need gas. What are you going to do? Buy an electric car and try to find a place to plug that in. <laughs> They got a Subaru SUV now, totally electric. I'm thinking, hmm, where's a pine tree I can plug into? <laughs> no, but we all know, too, that the power grid won't even handle what they got now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get back to this. Okay. 
So, you know, um, mm -hmm. I want to talk about spiritual failure. Psalm 119, verse 25. How many of you never failed? How many of you know, though, that failure is not fatal? Failure is another opportunity to learn. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, Micah said. Though I fall, I shall arise. If I fall seven times, I'm getting up eight. Not how many times you fall, Galen. It's how many times you get up over these years. Glory to God. You realize you're a hero in the faith? You probably have days when you don't feel good about it. But let me tell you something. I have watched you over the years go through hell and back, and you're still sitting there on the front row. Amen. Have you ever had days when you doubted? Well, maybe a couple. So, but Job had a stronghold. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Is that, no, that's, I'm jumping off of where I was, aren't I? Oh, yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, but re, how about this? We'll call this reasons for a stronghold. Number one. Constant criticism. If you're a pastor, you may have experienced some of this. If you're a Christian in an unchristian family, you may have ex experienced some of this. But this is what Psalm 69.20 says, Reproach has broken my heart, and I'm full of heaviness. Now that heaviness is the Bible word for I'm depressed. Just flat out depressed. And I'm depressed because I'm thinking wrong thoughts. But if they have a stronghold, I need to pull it down. I can't let that stronghold stay there because the stronghold belongs to the devil. The stronghold is what keeps me from embracing everything that God has for my life. Like, you know, we people that are in strongholds over tithes and offerings think that God's after their money. He doesn't even notice. He's saying, hey, I'll give you, I'll take you more places with 90 or 80 percent than you'd ever go on your own. He said, I want you to come into covenant with me. I want, I'm using finances to teach you how to trust me. Anyways, uh, Psalm 119, 25, my soul cleaves under the dust. Quick me according to your word. I've declared your ways. Yeah, shoot. I've declared your ways and you heard me. Teach me your statutes. Make me to understand the way of your precepts, and so shall I talk of your wondrous works. My soul melts for heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. And then there's trials of pressure. How many of you ever experienced any pressure? No, but I, I remember when Jordy was building his house, the bank wasn't giving him any money. How many of you know that's pressure? Of course, these guys are faster than any... any <laughs> No, no, Justin and Jordan are faster than any construction company you'll ever find anyway. I remember when we had uh, uh, Glenn Carver here doing the work here the last time. I said, if Jordy and Justin had done it, they'd have been done about a month ago. <laughs> I'm not faulting those guys for it. I'm just saying that these guys are like gasoline on the fire. I call them the sons of thunder. So, so here's um, Paul talking about pressure. He said, when you greatly rejoice, you, wherein you greatly rejoice, is this Peter? Yeah, First Peter chapter 1, not Paul. Peter had a revelation too. When, wherein you greatly 
wherein you greatly rejoice, you begin to act like you won. You begin to act like it's already done. You got to act like you're on the 10-yard line and it's your play. And, and you, you play till you win. You play till you win. How long is it going to take? How long are you going to wander around the wilderness? How long before you believe God and act on his word, you know? So he said, wherein you greatly rejoice. How can I do that, Lord? Because if now for a season, if need be, you're, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. But then he says in verse 7, that the trial of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes. Can you imagine how you would act if you won a million dollars today? How would you act? Oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> or would you jump up and run around this building and shout? And David is saying, Peter rather is saying, what you're dealing with is more precious than anything you could win on this earth. He, don't you know you've got eternal life? What else can be given to top that? Are you still waiting for something? The wait is over. Ephesians 1, 4. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Chose you before he put the world in place. You've been chosen. Try to keep calm about it, though. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look, the doctor told me on June the 17th last year that I wasn't going to make it. There was nothing more he could do. Here I am on June the 12th, a year later, and when I talked to him a week ago, I said, hey, I'm still here. <laughs> Might not mean much to you, but to me, it's like <laughs> I'm about three days away from riding my Harley. But when I bought it, Justin, I knew I wasn't buying it for this year only. I was buying it for the next 10, 15 years, you know. And so I said, I'll, I'll do what I can right now, but I'm fully expecting, fully expecting to ride this week. I said, God, I want to be on the road on my bike before Father's Day. That's the 19th, by the way. Joey, that's the 19th. That's next week. <laughs> I really like lobster, if we could. <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> so, um, but before we read um, 2 Corinthians 10.4, I want to read... Um, Chapter 4 and verse 17. You know, how about, I'll start in verse 15. 15, he says, We have the same attitude of faith possessed by our past leaders, who said, I believe it and I declare it. We also believe and state what it means to us. Just as God raised Jesus from death, he will also raise us up with Jesus along with him and you so that we can view our entire experience as for our sake, so that as you give thanks for God's unconditional love, it may ring like a chorus 
cheering for God's ultimate fulfillment. Come on, did you hear that? He said, let it ring like a great chorus of cheering for God's ultimate fulfillment. No, we don't grow weary or discouraged while physically we are changing daily. Our spiritual power is renewed every, every day. Hallelujah. Then in chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, he said, the tools of our trade are not designed for coercion or manipulation. Nevertheless, they are effective through God in destroying down the defenses behind which people hide. We wipe out our fantasies and every behavior which competes with our loyalty to God. We should read that part again. We wipe out every fantasy and every behavior which competes with our loyalty to God. Loyalty to God and we take control over our thoughts, testing their validity by the Spirit of Christ. Hmm. I don't know if that helps you, but it helps me every time I read it. So, uh, again, I'm going to read the King James now. But though we walk in the flesh, we don't war in the flesh. Weapons of our warfare. You, war, you don't war in the flesh because flesh is, flesh is not your problem. Your flesh might be, but not somebody else's isn't. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. If you're offended with somebody, you have the problem. They don't. I said, if you're offended with somebody, you have the problem. They don't. I just don't like the way they treat me. Well, then don't hang around with them. <laughs> well, I'm married to them. Oh, oh well. <laughs> that makes a difference. <laughs> Pray. For they, we walk in the flesh, we don't war in the flesh. The weapons of our warfare, hallelujah, are, are not carnal, not natural, but mighty through God to pulling down the strongholds. A stronghold is the word, I'll give you the word for stronghold. It's C-H-U-R-O-S. And it means a fixed set of ideas that are out of step with the Word of God. That's what a stronghold is. It's out of step with the Word of God, and Satan is using it to control your life, using fear and doubt to control you so that you can't walk in faith and love. So whatever you fear, Job said, what I feared has finally come upon me. He said, I feared this all this time. A very successful person, and yet he was living in such bondage. But God didn't leave him there. Aren't you glad God didn't leave him there? Read the rest of the book. He ended up with double for his trouble. And even though he brought that trouble himself, he said, he said God, I heard about you with my ear. But now my eyes have seen you, and I abhor myself. I realize that I'm not self-righteous anymore. I recognize that I was religious and self-righteous, but now I see you. And I abhor myself in sackcloth and ashes. And God said, oh, okay. He said, I'm going to give you a double for your trouble. He said, the only thing I need for you to do now is go and pray for your friends. He hated his friends, and so did I. <laughs> now, read the advice they were given. It was awful. His wife said, why don't you just lay down and die? So I don't know if you have marriage problems, but let me just tell you this. Job had worse. 
Why don't you just kill yourself, man? Ouch. So a stronghold, a fixed set of ideas that are out of step with the Word of God. They are cracks in your character. You're a crackpot. We have a treasure in an earthen vessel. Treasure in an earthen vessel, it leaks. But the cool thing about the cracks is, I think it was Leonard Cohen said, it's the cracks in my life that let in the light. I don't know if Leonard Cohen ever got born again. He wrote that beautiful song, Hallelujah, but, and I know that he struggled through a lot of his life. You could hear it in his lyrics. But Cohen means priest. He's a priest of God. He was a priest of God called to be a high priest and living like that. So I'm just going to believe he made heaven. He seemed to soften up in his last years there. So stronghold is anything that's strong enough to keep us from being like Christ. Anything strong enough to keep us from be becoming Christ-like, could we say it that way? A crack in my character. And again, I, somebody said, rebelling thoughts, rebellious thoughts, thoughts that are against the Word of God, are like cancer. What does cancer do? It's a rebellious cell that if it's not dealt with, it'll destroy the body. Well, uh, strongholds in your life will destroy your Christian walk if you don't do something about it. You just can't, you know, you just can't ignore it and hope it'll go away. If you have a stronghold in your life, whatever it is, if you don't, you know, I had a guy say to me one day, he said, if God's really God, why did my father die? I said, you didn't have faith. You, you, you can't, you don't get to determine that. You don't get to, turn, to determine what somebody else believes. What your mistake is, you're blaming God for it. When there's other causes, I remember one time at Rock Church, there was a woman, and she confessed. I, I didn't know it at the time, but she died. I think she was, I don't know, 50 years old or something. And the whole church was in shock because she died. Because she was a pillar in the church. You know a pillar? You know what a pillar is, right? But we found out after she died that she kept saying this, I'll probably die before I'm 50 like my mother did. And your confession brings your possession. What you, what you believe in yourself attracts things to you, whether they're good or bad. Another time I went in and I prayed for a guy in the hospital, and I needed to locate where he was because I prayed for people and they got healed, and I prayed for other people and they didn't. So I wanted to locate what he believed. I said, do you believe that when I lay my hands on you, God will heal you? Or do you believe that, that God will use medicine to heal you? We don't care which way it happens as long as it happens. He said, no, I believe that when you lay your hands on me, I'll be healed. But, you know, that's like, wow, okay. So we prayed for him and left the hospital. A couple of days later, he died, and we found out that when I was praying for him, he had already bought the suit he wanted to be buried in. Conflicting opinions, right? I always say this, if you got one nostril out of the water, make sure that it's saying Jesus is Lord. Don't ever give up on God. Don't ever give up on God. Believe God till your last breath and then beyond that. Yeah. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is anyone? Yeah, I already read that. Casting down imaginations, verse 5, and everything that exalts itself against the word of God. Anything that exalts itself 
against the, you know, again, the stronghold is a system of error, a system of error that we've allowed to build up in our lives that are defended by the devil. Once you got it there, he'll, he'll, he'll use that same thing against you every time. Sickness comes, doubt comes. Uh, financial trouble comes, doubt comes. It's a stronghold instead of saying, hey, wait, now, I fixed that crack in my character. Weapons of my warfare are eternal. They're mighty through God to pull down strongholds. And I find out that anything that had a stronghold on me, I can use the word against it. I can build myself up, building yourselves up in the Holy Ghost. But ye beloved, building yourselves up in the Holy Ghost. But ye beloved. Mm. Hallelujah. He's the head of all principality and power and dominion. And I'm the complete in him who's the head of all principality and power. There's a completeness in me. I can, I can trust. I, can, I never had a father on earth that I could trust. He died when I was six years old. Uh, but I finally found a father. And again, Romans 8.28, the thoughts that I had towards you are good, not evil, to bring you hope, to bring you a future. That's not Romans 8.28, that's Jeremiah 29.11, but it works too. Romans 8.28 says, for we know, you got to know this, for I know that all things are working together for my good. Well, if I know that all things are get, working together for my good, why do I sweat the small stuff? Why am I all wrapped up in fear? Because there's a stronghold there. If I'm in doubt and fear instead of faith and love, there's a stronghold in my mind that I need to find and I need to work on with the Word of God. For the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's the entrance of His Word that brings light. If I've got the dark hole in my life, I've got to get light in there. The entrance of His Word brings light. Well, God bless you. I'm uh, going to call the elders if they want to pray for anybody here. If you would like prayer. I just want you to say this with me first. Father, I declare today, I will no, no longer believe the lies of the enemy. I'm accepted and not abandoned. I'm loved and not rejected. I'm not fatherless. I have a loving father. I will reject all darkness and walk in the light. It's kind of like, you know, Jacob had 12 sons, but really he only had one. The other 11 had no respect for him, didn't believe in him at all, rebelled against him. Even when they were over in Dothan, Dothan is a place, a desert place. You don't take sheep out into a desert to feed them. And like, it's like, duh. That's how he was able to throw Jacob down in the well. There was no water in it, an empty well. There was no water in it because there was no water there to feed sheep either. And I better stop because I feel another message coming on. But... Uh, we hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.